Well, it's good, everyone. This is the Puerto Rican Powerhouse of Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican kaiju himself, Christian Javar Ramos, back at it again. What a brand new review. And today we're going to discuss not a really new, new release, but a movie that's been out for a while since probably Christmas, I believe, or a little bit before that. The uh, Disney remake of Mulan. Now, I could have reviewed this months ago, and I meant to for so long, and I should have, because it's such an interesting take on the story, and I know they take a lot of, I don't want to say liberties, but there's a lot of really strict guidelines that Disney had to follow to create this film, because they had a thing against dragons being represented as something as comedic, so there's no Mushu in this film. So in order to them to do this tale, they kind of had to change things up around so it doesn't tie into the old tale, but almost like a retelling from the original Mulan historical um, story. I mean, it's part history and part fantasy, because... We're not really sure if Mulan existed, meaning that in Chinese lore, she's revered as a hero, but they don't really have any solid data that she actually existed, and it's one of those things where it's a tale that's old as time, but because of the way history wasn't written back in the old days like that, like I, I guess you can say it wasn't written, if we're getting precise, probably in characters or something of the lines or scrolls being lost throughout the history um we just assume that it is a really good story coming from um chinese mythology but i do not know enough of the context to know if she actually was real like joan of arc we have data to show joan of arc existed in england but somewhere down the lines the tale of milan is so old that it is um be- before history i guess before man man before man actually took notes Let's leave it at that. So, here we go. Mulan. I can be, let me give the small synopsis. So, Mulan is a 2020 American fantasy adventure drama film by Disney Pictures, Walt Disney Pictures, and it's a remake of the 1988 animated film of the same name. So, this Mulan is a Chinese folkloric story. So, that's what its context is. It's folklore and uh, the Ballad of Mulan. And the film stars, Yif, let me, I'm going to butcher the name, so excuse me, Yifei Lui, in her title role alongside Donnie Yang, Zima, Jason Scott Lee, Yo Song Ang, and Ron Yoon, and oh, Gong Lee and Jet Li for supporting roles. Uh, the plot takes place in Imperial China where the Hua family, uh, Mulan's family's uh, last name, uh, the eldest daughter of an honored warrior masquerades as a man to take her ailing father's place during a general Conspir- uh, conscription to counter the Ro- Roran army. So essentially, they needed to recruit the eldest son of every family. But because Mulan's dad only had daughters, she snuck away and disguised herself as a man so she can join the Imperial military to take her father's place, who is essentially handicapped. And he, being an honorable man that he was, was going to fight handicapped. He would have died in combat. I mean, an elder, he's already a war hero, a decorated war hero. And for him to do this, I mean, he wasn't going to lose his honor because he, he I mean, what's what fate did he have? Jail or fighting a war? He just, he really had the honor. He wanted to do it because this is his duty for his country folk and what he really wanted to do was to show not really show it's just he showed who he was the person this man doesn't care if he had one leg no legs he was still going to fight to defend his nation because they needed him to step up in the call of duty so 
This is where a story where things get a little, it was a little lighthearted at points, but then it knew when it gets serious. So we start off with Mulan practicing wushu in the rice fields, and her father grabs her to corral the chickens because that's what he has her doing. That's her chores, and she's out there practicing martial arts that she's not supposed to be practicing to begin with, but he's a lenient dad and allowed her to do so because what's the worst going to happen out of this? It's not like she's not going to use her in her life, right? Right? Am I right? Yeah, right. So she causes some mischief in the village, and the villagers are not amused where she's chasing the chickens around. Mind you, the dad's like, hey, when the chicken comes down, he'll eventually, I mean, she, she'll, it'll eventually come back to its corral. But no, she wanted to chase the chicken down like it was Legend of Zelda. And she just kept making a mess everywhere in the whole village. And it got to the point where her antics got her almost falling off rooftops. But luckily, her natural instincts and acrobatics made her land so she did not crash and burn and, you know, end up in a hospital. So still, her mom was very furious. Her mother was furious because she's embarrassing herself in front of the village. And mind you, this village is set up where they all live in this, looks like an apartment complex with a quad, but it's like old school. So it's like they're all, every house is facing each other. So everyone can see exactly what's going on. And it's so embarrassing. Like, oh, there goes that Milan again, causing more trouble and mischief. So here we go where... Her father tells her to control herself. She's supposed to act like a lady and not be so reckless. Um, and that she, her use of chi is not really right because it's meant for warriors. And she's using it as a plaything. Essentially, she's using her natural instincts to just goof around and make, make a scene where it's supposed to be uh, something you do when you are in combat to protect yourself. Survivalism, that's what, you know, what chi is. It's your natural energy. And she's wasting all this energy, exerting it, doing these crazy things and she should be at home you know doing the things that quote-unquote girls should be doing in this time period so this is uh essentially her dad laying the line that warriors are men and women aren't warriors in our society you gotta accept it so then we see a phoenix like an actual phoenix followed him into battle before and that's crazy because this phoenix has become like the symbol of the guardian angel of their family and it reappears throughout the film. So as we see a little bit of the uh, father's warrior side, this phoenix is what protected him from com in combat. So we move on where mother and father speak about worrying about Mulan and that she'll never get married because she is mark a witch because her use of chi is unseen in people. Apparently chi is almost seen like having just natural magic in you. What really it is, if you ever study um, uh, Eastern medicine, chi is your life force, your energy. It is what keeps you running and going, if you break it down. But if you want to fantasy make chi, kind of like in a lot of uh, like Naruto, the Naruto anime, they, they use a chakra, same exact thing. Essentially, they, they your power is from within your own spirit energy, and that's how you do these... Uh, fantastical things but this is what we're doing we're dealing with a fantasy film right we're dealing with the notion that your chi is so powerful you're able to uh, manipulate movement in a way to prevent yourself from falling off like a cat would or to be able to be stronger than the average person because you can manipulate the energy in your body to almost give you like a natural uh, sixth sense one would say so in a desert a man sees a mirage of a woman and she then goes on and possesses his body. So it wasn't a mirage, it was a witch. 
And she's the one who is one of the main antagonists in the film, and she uses chi to be like magic, where it is something manipulative and dark, and the reason why you shouldn't be using chi, because you can be marked a witch, and you can be seen as something villainous and bad. Okay, so following this, we get a raid from the Roman, Roman army, and they attack one of the Imperial strongholds, and they take them down, decimating these warriors one by one. And this is one of those great sequences where you can show violence without getting too graphic, no need for blood, you just kind of see the combat, and it comes off where like, okay, adults can enjoy this film, but also children can enjoy it without being scared of seeing such gore and over-the-top explicit violence. It's almost like any cartoon film where they have violence, but they don't really show too much, just show enough action where it's entertaining, almost like pro wrestling, where they show things are action-based, but there's not much graphic nature in your TV screen, unless you go to one of those indie shows where things are kind of like lawless. But I digress. Whatever you see on TV, there's different kinds of wrestling, but some of it's more kid-friendly than others. That's all I'm saying. So, same thing with seeing a live show. It, essentially, what we're seeing here is a lot of uh, action. Uh, it's a war film. It's based upon war, so they've gotta, they have to show violence, but it's great that they don't have to go too deep so that all families can enjoy the films. So, this is where we go here, where uh, Bori Khan, who has a witch as his right-hand person, uh, alongside him, it's almost used like using magic when no one, everyone else is fighting. It's a disadvantage and a heavy one because his army isn't even that large, but because they have this witch on their side, she's able to decimate warriors left and right while they're trying to just struggle to stay afloat. It's almost like a cheat code, essentially, with having this magic on your side when they don't even know how to fight against that. Uh, so the Emperor sees this Borikon, also played by... Uh, Borikon's played by Jason Scott Lee, a famous American actor. Um, and... I think he played Mowgli in one of the old... Yeah, I think he did play Mowgli in one of the old Disney films. Huh? Fun fun turn of events there. He came back. Uh, so here we go. Jason Jason Scott Lee played, uh, plays Bori Khan. And the Emperor here, who is played by the legendary Chinese actor Jet Li. And I didn't even recognize it was Jet Li at first because, oh my gosh, Jet Li looks so different in this film. Uh, either the makeup or the beard. Something threw me off where I didn't even recognize him. So halfway through the film, because he was so convincing in this role, but he plays the emperor of China at this point. And he sends for one male, um, one male heir from every family to join a dynasty army and defend against Bori Khan and the Roran warlords to defend off China because he's trying to rule all of China and take over, the, take over China. So we're here where Mulan is riding through the valleys and she sees two rabbits. It's very serenic, uh, scenic route, uh, route where she's taking where it's in the field and it's out there and these rabbits are like, oh, this is so cute. She goes home and gets the news and they want to set up um, Mulan with the Madam Matchmaker. Essentially, she is the person that helps with the arranged marriages so that way that everyone can live happily ever after but you have to meet her standards and she has some very high standards for who she sees fit to be uh, matched with especially with someone like Mulan who's very rambunctious and rebellious and punk-like she's very much out of character to what the typical young lady in China at this point in history is like you know the characters traits the uh, regalness this is very um, you know uh, chivalrous thing that you have to do with young men and young women and how you pair them and all that stuff so it's very much she's very modern for her time so here we go on where she's uh, riding through the valley and they want to set her up and she's not happy about this and then we have elsewhere where northern invaders are being attacked by Rowan's army 
So in order to prevent her dad from going and essentially it's a mission where he can't come back from if he ever, if he actually goes, she steals her dad's armor and weapons and runs off on her, on her horse. So stranded and lost, she gives her horse her last apple. So the horse has energy to travel through where is the uh, military camp where the Chinese Imperial Army is training and she passes out for the night. Then in the morning, she sees the phoenix. The same phoenix that protected her dad back in, when he was in wartime China then and gives a sense, sense of direction for Mulan and would, like, would follow the phoenix. So she follows the phoenix and ends up at the base where she's introduced to her battalion, which are a bunch of man-childs, like a bunch of college-age frat guys, what today's guys look like, you know? So these guys are all very immature and they're super young. So here we go here where she uh, battle ends up in the base, introduces everybody and battles her rival and uses her chi out, of, out to attack him and put on this huge spectacle in the middle of the yard and then the, you know, the, the uh, commander in charge had to separate him. So here we go with the enemy armies having a war console and they don't trust the witch that the uh, Bori Khan has hired as his... Uh, I guess his vizier, whatever you want to call her, role in this, and it's for a good, good thing too, because witches in this in this era are very considered uh, outcasts, obviously, and cannot be trusted. So they're like having their reservations, like, hey, I don't know if we could do this. Yeah, you know, we don't know if we would trust her. He's like, hey, she helped us win battle before. She can stays and continues to help us win this war altogether. So relax and sit back because we're going to win this single-handedly easy with her help on our side. So after their apprehensions, they get back to it. We move on to graduation day from the base where Milan's uh, army, well not Milan's army, but the army of the king, the emperor, uh, is here and Milan's there for graduation day. Uh, from here we go on where she wants to confess to her commanding officer that she's also uh, impressed a man this whole time. <laughs> but um, he speaks over her to confess to Milan first that she wants her, who he was disguised as uh, someone else, that Hua Zhou is, uh, who's a, who is her, her name that she took, took her uh, dad's name and kind of twisted it around to give herself a male's name, is to marry her her, his daughter. I'm like, oh my gosh, they want her, they want him to marry, quote unquote, him to marry her, his daughter. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is getting too far. And Mulan's like, I, I would be honored. But she walks out like, how do I, how do I save myself from the embarrassment now? It's like, I can't. So we move on here where the witch confronts Mulan. They go into battle. Mulan's still a warrior of this imperial army. And she's confronted by the witch. And tries to kill her but the phoenix protected Mulan so Mulan was almost like driven to the dark side by the witch like hey you're one of me you, you know how to use chi for this and that why do you even want to live in this lie where you're not who you are but at this point this is where her fake persona Huajo is dead and Mulan is now alive now in this whole journey we meet friends from her base all the characters that you'll see in the film and they're all great some of them are funnier than others they're reminiscent of the old characters Mulan had as friends uh, in the original animated film but they don't look the same because those men look more old and grizzled and these guys are more like young men so they're very much again college aged very young I guess you could say they're trying to go for the fact that these warriors are babies just like Mulan, like thrown into the fire without any training. So they're all desperate. 
So she goes into the battlefield, takes down enemy forces, and the witch uses her magic to attack the Emperor's forces with bats, like actual bats, not baseball bats, and the enemy uses catapults to accidentally start an avalanche, and it worked into the Emperor's army's advantage because the avalanche took out some of these Roman enemy our forces out. So the witch tries to make Mulan one last time join her side, and she says, I refuse to. And then Mulan warns the commander of the pending attack, even though she was banished because they sought out that she was actually a woman. So at this point, she's fighting as herself, Huang Mulan, not like uh, Hua Zhou that she was playing this character. And her being herself, it was essentially saying, hey, take me for what I am, but I'm here to help. And the commander's like, right, okay, we are desperate. What do we need? And she becomes very helpful in this battle. So the witch tells the villain about Mulan, and he found out that the witch was doing something behind her back, and he kills her as she was trying to save Mulan because the Bori Khan was going to shoot an arrow right to her chest, and the witch saved her, took that arrow for her so she can finish this battle because she knows that she can be saved before she's corrupted like she was. And here we go where um, the emperor fights the bad guy, and... It, so he was actually kidnapped, you could say. Then Mulan joins in, and then they're able to fight him off. And then the emperor can see firsthand this woman was helping this army win these battles so they could save their the, the empire in China. And he's very much impressed. And he wants her to join his guard. But she refuses because she broke one of the sacred codes that she graduated vowed to follow which is you know being honorable and her lying about who she was was not honorable whatsoever so the emperor honors her into the royal guard and she turns it down after all that she went through but all because family comes first and she wanted to make amends to her family and for dishonoring her dad and his legacy she goes back. His dad is just grateful his daughter's alive, but like, don't you ever do something like this ever again. But then this is where the Emperor's forces go to her hometown and once again offer her one more time, listen, you might have broken a rule, yes, but if you had not broken any of the rules, we would not help save China. So he again offers that royal guard position. This time the whole village is watching and Mulan honorably takes it. And... Now they added a fourth mantra, which was family. There was three codes of honor in this in this uh, army that they were taught. And now the fourth one was honor thy family, which is very much something that modern day China is very, very relatable because family is honor in modern times. So this whole story was a little different from the original Mulan tale. Very much more serious, but then again, it's live action. You want to make it more serious. You want this to feel more realistic. And also, they're going with the actual story of Mulan, not the Disney-fied version. So even though there were some things that were, quote-unquote, Disney-fied, they definitely kept it true to the nature of the story without diverging too much. And what I like about the film was the characters that um, were Yao, Po, and Ling, and Cricket. These are all great uh, supporting roles that really brought some life and more uh, uh, charisma, what is it, a personality to the Warriors. And definitely gave Mulan a base of friends to really follow through. And in the end, Mulan did fall in love with her rival. And he was impressed by her so much that he wanted to take her hand in marriage and ask her dad for it. So the, the tale ended on a happy note. And that's, again, a very Disney thing to do. But also, it also showed that Mulan's um, not just is more than a pretty face that's supposed to be married off. But she is also someone worth marrying because of what she can do not just how she looks like so more merit than just 
physical beauty. And that's a great story this tale shows that young girls can be, you know, strong and also intelligent and lead, but also have the attributes that make them special without having to uh, compromise too much of society's uh, expectations of them. Essentially, just be yourself and eventually someone out there will appreciate for who you are. And you don't really need a matchmaker to find happiness. Sometimes it's within oneself. So there's a message to be said there that she was happy even before she was offered her hand in marriage because of what she's able to do. And that showed some greats. It, it was good. It was a good film. So this was a really fun film to review. Quick and easy. So much I left out, of course. But I'm not going to tell you every notion of the film. I'm just telling the things that I pointed out that made made the movie stand out to me. And visually, this is very visually beautiful movie. It felt like they definitely did this on location. Even if they used screen screen, it did not seem like it did because it was such a immersive experience of like, you know, Northern China and going into Mongolia, I guess, and how these two nations don't get along and how she defeated the villain in the end. I'm like, oh, it was great how in the end, the villain just defeated himself. Um, the general was there to witness Milan taking down this villain and actually assist and it showed that you know women can do this too it's not just men and that's what i liked about mulan as from the 1998 version it's just like she is strong enough to be her own hero in her own tale so there you go expectations and standards boom <laughs> so this was a fun film was it better than the 1998 animated film i mean you really can't compare the two they feel so different but also so similar it's almost like comparing the Aladdin live action with the Aladdin um, animated film. They are good in their own way, but they're not exactly very much the same as the same. Like, they just feel different. And not in a bad way. They just have a vibe. It just feels... It just... Something about the translation of animation to live action doesn't really work for me. Like, half the Disney live action remakes have not really resonated with me, but half of them have been phenomenal. Aladdin being one of the ones that did. And now Mulan's on that list, the ones that I did like. So, ratio is going towards that direction. Let's hope they keep the momentum going and make these remakes feel like the nostalgic. Give us the nostalgic points, but also try to make the tale go in a new direction so we're not watching the exact same film that we saw when we were like kids. So, because that's just lazy. And this movie did not feel lazy. They added a lot of new things, and I'm glad they did because if it was the exact same tale, it was just going to be a waste of time to watch the exact same film. So, I'm glad they really made it more true to this tale. And... In the end, this film was a good, solid 3.5 star film. It was decent. I enjoyed it. It was did its part. And I know it's not going to give it a sequel, but it was decent. It wasn't amazing. It was visually amazing, that's for sure. But where it comes down to is the storytelling was okay, but I wasn't in love with this film like I thought I was going to be. But at the same time, I didn't hate it. So it's not quite Mulan. It's not quite Aladdin good. I'd say it's on the Beauty and the Beast spectrum of things, the live-action remake. And... That's what I give it in the end. So thank y'all for tuning in. This has been the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican Kaiju as well. Casually dropped a new nickname there. The Mike for Hire, Christian Joel Ramos, signing off until next time. Thank y'all for tuning in. As always, stay safe and take care.